Salutations, welcome to Spiritual Blatherings, Philosophical Ponderings, and Everything Ramblings at the Hopeful Humanist Cafe. Here, during this walk and talk, we're going to examine, explore ideas and flow about the good life, conscious living, and resources for our spiritual toolbox. I'm your host, Steve, the Hopeful Humanist, just some guy. And today we're going to talk about strengths, an aspect of knowing oneself. In terms of strengths, it's my thought that with some confidence we'd be able to say that if a person was able to identify one's beliefs, one's needs, values, interests, and intentions, that that person would have a sense of self. I have since my initial thoughts about what it means to know oneself, felt compelled to add another item to that list, and that would be the idea of knowing one's strengths. There's a real advantage to knowing one's strengths in terms of the happier quest, which we talked about in episode one. If you're a new listener, I encourage you to go back to episode one, listen to The Happier Quest, get a sense of what the Hopeful Humanist Cafe is all about. So, strengths. Strengths can help in times of adversity. We can leverage our strengths when we're struggling with something, like a job loss or getting passed over for a promotion. Strengths can help us develop growth areas, like recognizing our preferred learning style as an auditory digital learner. And then transforming a monotonous commute from point A to point B into an expansion opportunity by listening to an educational podcast. Strengths, when we become aware of them and we nurture them and we develop them, positively influence self-esteem, which is connected to self-actualization, an idea brought to us by Abraham H. Maslow. And if it's true, as I identified in episode one, The Happier Quest, that one of the things that a person can do in the immediate here and now to raise levels of happiness is to do good things for others, random acts of kindness, for instance, then becoming aware of one's strengths, a person could utilize those resources and make a contribution to one's local community and in the process develop relationships and relationship is paramount to the happier quest. So know thyself is an idea that goes back over 2,500 years ago and it was an ancient Greek aphorism that was inscribed on the forecourt of the Temple of Apollo at Delphi. This encouragement was embraced by a thinker, a wise soul called Socrates, who I briefly discussed in episode one, who shared with us and invited us to reflect upon the thought that the unexamined life is a life not worth living. He walked around the streets and encouraged fellow citizens to put themselves under the microscope so they could live meaningful lives. Now, there's a real danger because we're busy in life and without effort, we can get caught up in the rat race of life that we don't put time aside for the things that matter most in our lives. And one area we might not be dedicating energy to could be the relationship that we have with ourself, with oneself. And when we do that, when we are able to put ourselves under the microscope, that's when we can be aware of our needs, beliefs, values, intentions, interests, and our strengths. In the book that I referred to in episode one by Eric Langsher and Nate Klemp called Start Here, which has been identified as a groundbreaking science-based program for emotional fitness, on page uh, 96 in reference to this idea of being as opposed to doing, there's an invitation for individuals to wake up to their lives. And there's this idea that I picked up from my wife when she was writing a paper for a first-year psychology assignment, she came across this idea of greedy institutions. 
So a greedy institution is an institution and an aspect of one's life, a domain of one's life that demands the entirety, mind, body, and spirit of a person's being. So we can look at the institution of employment, which demands a commitment from us to be all in. We can look at the institution of academia, especially higher education, which demands the entirety of a person in a monk-like fashion. And then we can look at parenthood. And so we're being pulled in different directions and at times because we're being pulled in different directions with our foot in more than one institution, we actually put the things that are most important to us on the back burner. And when we're exhausted, there's a whole bunch of demands placed on us. We let go of the things that are most important to us, the things that we value most, ironically, in, in effort just to keep up with the expectations of things in terms of adulthood and being a responsible person. Then we experience exhaustion. We're depleted. In terms of being very aware that, yes, it's inescapable for employees, and it's inescapable that there are certain educational requirements that one meet for one to progress in life. And, you know, if you move into a relationship and have a family and realize now there are responsibilities of parenthood, we need to be able to figure out how to slow things down and create some time and space for us to have with ourselves. In terms of just making the greedy institution concept a little more clear, we could just imagine that we have a new young parent who recently entered the workforce and has some future career aspirations. And there's a requirement that that person try to the best of one's ability, create some kind of work-life balance while being pulled, while being requested to be all in at work and being wanted by that little beautiful miracle and at the same time thinking about following through on a career path that one might have for oneself and all the additional continuing education courses a person would have to take to be able to move in that direction. So that's a dilemma and it's overwhelming and it's taxing. If we do the hard deliberate work however and if we go in the direction of living a life that is awake that is in terms of the book that I was just talking about. They have this continuum in terms of the invitation to wake up to your life. And they're suggesting that because of all the greedy institutions, we are at times asleep in life. And that because we're asleep, we're often distracted from the real business in life, the spiritual journey. Our lives become preoccupied with worry. We're often unable to focus as our minds are so full. We space out. We become disgruntled, disenchanted, and irritated with life. But if we can dedicate some time and energy to creating a space for ourselves where we can live our lives, where we are awake, then we'll be able to have a number of benefits and gifts that go with living the awake life. And being awake would be a place which we find ourselves able to be attentive to and mindful about the things that are happening in our lives. We're able to move in that direction that is meaningful to us. We're able to be much more relaxed because we're following through on living an authentic life. We'd be aware of those things that are important to us, our needs, beliefs, values, interests, intentions, and strengths. And we could be accepting of the unfolding reality around us 
even though we might be struggling with some real challenges in life. So in terms of developing one's strengths, in terms of becoming aware of one's strengths, I think a resource I'd like to bring to your attention is a website called Authentic Happiness. You can conduct a Google search and it will bring you to a website that's connected to the University of Pennsylvania. When you go to this website, you're introduced to a variety of really incredible resources like the other website I introduced to you in Episode 1, Action for Happiness. These two websites are great companion websites for one another. At Authentic Happiness, there are a number of really interesting books. And I should say the website, Authentic Happiness, is an initiative by Martin Seligman, who is the founder of Positive Psychology. So in terms of Positive Psychology books, there's information about a number of books he has authored, one named uh, Learn Optimism and another called Authentic Happiness, and a list of other books. There are some videos, and I do recommend that if you want to learn more about positive psychology, there's a video in the library called The New Era of Positive Psychology. It was posted in 2004, and it basically identifies that uh, positive psychology is the scientific study of strengths, and that when we become aware of our strengths, they enable people and communities to thrive and flourish. So if you go to this site, you have access to a whole bunch of really incredible information. There's a link for you to access the 2017 World Happiness Report. It's a study of over 150 countries that looked at six key indicators of happiness, freedom, generosity, health, social support, income, and how people feel in terms of trust with respect to government. And it provides a list of countries in their rank ordering in terms of happiness. We have at the top of the list Norway, then Denmark, Iceland, Switzerland, Finland, Netherlands, Canada. I'm happy to hear Canada's on the list because I'm coming to you from southwestern Ontario. Next, New Zealand, Australia, and Sweden. It just gives some really interesting information about the factors that are being considered now to evaluate how well a country's doing. And it's not just about looking at GDP. We're looking about factors related to happiness in terms of flourishing. Also, you can collect information at Authentic Happiness about a theory of well-being that has been introduced by Martin Seligman, Seligman, uh, I struggle with his name, that is uh, an acronym, PERMA, and the P stands for positive emotion. We have the E for engagement, which is flow, becoming immersed in uh, here and now moments where there's a loss of self. R for relationships, M for meaning, and A for accomplishment. So we're not just talking about feeling good, which I also identified in uh, episode one is really not realistic. That as individuals who live in a world where it's tough to be healthy, that sometimes being a healthy individual would require us to feel sad when it makes sense to feel sad and angry. For instance, when you've experienced some kind of injustice. So happiness is about positive emotions, but it goes beyond that. It includes accomplishments, creating meaning, experiencing engagement or flow, developing relationships, and an awareness of one's strengths. So these are really interesting resources to explore, but I think the centerpiece of this website is something that's referred to as the VIA Survey of Character Strengths. 
Now you can go to an associated website, character.org slash www slash character dash strengths. And there you can access an eight minute video about the science of character and it explains the VIA character strength survey and VIA stands for values in action. There are 24 character strengths that are identified. You can go on and if you take some time and register as a user and create a login and a password, you can take the survey for free. It takes about 20 to 25 minutes to complete. And after investing that amount of time answering the 200 questions on the survey, it provides a list of your top five strengths. And as I said, if we become aware of our strengths, we can leverage them in times of adversity. We can use them for our growth areas. When we develop them, it helps boost our self-esteem, allows us to work towards self-actualization. And if we become mindful about our strengths, we can use them to make contributions to our local community. So there's a whole bunch of advantages to becoming aware of one's strengths. I mean, because we are the biological creatures that we are, we have a negativity bias. So we're programmed to see what's not going well because it's a survival mechanism. We need reminders so we don't lose sight of what's going well as we often get caught up in tunnel vision and focus on what's not going well. So I did the survey and identified my top five strengths. A love of learning, curiosity, and interest in the world. A strong sense of purpose, capacity to love and be loved, and gratitude. So these are the things that, because I'm aware of them, I can really use to leverage happiness in my life. So this website I found to be helpful in many ways because of the resources. In terms of my own personal development, taking the survey and becoming aware of my strengths, I found that helpful. It's given me confidence in my own strengths. I mean, often when we're talking about strengths, some people feel a little self-conscious. They feel like perhaps it resembles a sort of bragging. It's a form of arrogance and narcissism. I just think that there's real benefit to being aware of and being able to articulate one's strengths because it can allow us to do all those things that I've been talking about. I encourage you to consider exploring this site and reflect upon the possible pros and cons of taking the survey yourself to become aware of your particular strengths. Now, as I said in episode one, the happier quest, I'm not in the business of giving advice. I'm interested in sharing with people information about resources that have been helpful to me and find valuable and have put it in my spiritual toolbox and have incorporated into my self-directed wellness curriculum for a happier life. And perhaps there might be some benefit to you exploring and possibly checking out that site. If you do check out that site and you find that it's been helpful, pass it on. Help get some people into the know and perhaps we can create some kind of ripple effect. So I want to thank you for joining me here at the Hopeful Humanist Cafe. I look forward to our next meeting of the minds. But for now, peace.